I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, the first two verses of today's epistle lesson. It's encouraging to realize that the Apostle Paul wrote those words almost 2,000 years ago on the other side of the world to other people in another language and in another culture. It's encouraging because based on the news we watch and read, we're often tempted to think and to say that it's our present generation or country or culture that is corrupt, confused, and crazy, beyond redemption, that it's going down the tubes and taking us with it. And of course, there are plenty of problems in our generation, our country, and our culture. But so there were also in the Roman Empire of the Apostle Paul's time. And instead of bemoaning the hopeless state of the world or of the younger generation, Paul proposes an alternative to the Christians in Rome. He says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, he says. In other words, you there, reader, it's time to stop talking about what other people ought to be doing and start being part of the solution yourself. Having been baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection, we no longer need to offer animal and grain and wine sacrifices for sin in the temple. Instead, walk in newness of life and be ye holy as unblemished as the animals you once brought to sacrifice. Consider your bodies precious and holy, redeemed by the blood of Christ, and act accordingly, not kicking yourself or beating yourself up over your sin, because Jesus has taken that sin on himself. Not treating your body carelessly as a mere mass of flesh and bone, or as a means of selfish gain of pleasure or power, but as a precious offering to God who will one day raise us bodily from the dead. Have some respect for your bodies and those of others, says Paul, and treat them as the precious gifts they are. Use them to glorify God and benefit your neighbor. Guard them from immorality, harm, violence, gluttony, neglect, and all manner of sin and impurity. And this Paul calls, quote, your spiritual worship. 
Isn't that a bit of an enigmatic phrase? In other words, Paul is saying, God no longer requires material sacrifices of you, and your blood cannot atone for your sin. But having been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, live in a manner worthy of the price that was paid for you, with gratitude, dignity, humility, generosity, and joy. Do not, says Paul, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not simply go with the flow. Do not simply mistake the news for reality. Do not jump on the bandwagon. Do not flip through the channels and swallow whatever they are serving. Do not let the world shape you, but be transformed according to the death and resurrection that God has effected in you through holy baptism and renews in you through his word and supper. Put your trust in Jesus, who died and rose for you, for he is trustworthy and true, and you will be changed. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. To many of our neighbors, that sounds like foolishness, whether they'll admit it or not. In fact, it often sounds like foolishness to us. Who would make himself a servant if he could be served instead? God, that's who. Just a few verses before today's epistle lesson, Paul exclaims in Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. God's wisdom confounds the wise and is often countercultural. It's not something that we can learn from self-help books. It's not something we gain by emptying our minds and allowing the ambient zeitgeist to fill it. It's not something we receive by looking deep within ourselves. In our gospel lesson, Simon Peter does not confess that Jesus is the Messiah because he has finally put the pieces together and worked it out rationally. No, as Jesus tells him in Matthew 16, verse 17, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. It is only by God's revelation and his gift of faith that Peter and we can believe in and confess Jesus as Messiah and Lord. 
Dying and being raised with Christ changes not only our perspective, but who we are. It's an ontological change. In baptism, God makes us a new creation so that it is not, no longer we who live, but Christ in us. It's a creation and a perspective that is often going to confound our neighbors who have been through no such new creation, who operate on the assumption that each of us is his own God. Being so different from the world means that our way of life is not going to be an easy one to maintain. No wonder Paul wrote to the Romans about it. No wonder God gives it to us in his word. Every morning, we need to put on our baptism along with our clothes, as Martin Luther was fond of saying, reminding ourselves of who we are and, more importantly, of whose we are. Our minds are not renewed in a vacuum. Each of us needs to be part of a congregation of the body of Christ, receiving a steady diet of word and sacrament, of repentance and forgiveness, of service and of being served, of worship and the fellowship of other believers. For as in one body we have many members, not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another, says Paul in Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. As we've heard over the last several weeks, a life of faith is one of struggle and trial mainly on God's part, who has incredibly taken on the redemption, recreation, care, and guidance of wayward sheep like us. Our struggles with God and our trials hardly compare with what God endures from us and for our sake. But they still hurt. And they sometimes leave us mystified. Discerning the will of God, which we are encouraged to do in Romans 12, verse 2, is often as easy as opening the Bible and reading what's there, and yet at other times can seem maddeningly elusive. It's okay not to have all the answers all the time and to admit that. That is an advantage of not being God. And yet, we can be confident that through his church, God hears and forgives us, comforts and reassures us, and continually changes and renews our minds, giving us the mind of Christ and the spirit of truth, so that together we may discern his will as he gives us to see it what is good and acceptable and perfect. Thanks be to God.